This is Unconcluded. I'm Sean Gerd. And I'm Scott Jamison. Today, we're going to do an update slash sidebar episode, and it's going to be a bit brief. We'd mentioned back at the beginning of the year that episodes wouldn't be as frequent for a few months, but we still wanted to touch base with all of you, even if it was just a few minutes of updates. The plan all along was to ramp up in the consistency of episodes over the summer, and that's still our goal. But of course, that's going to depend on a lot of things that are outside of our control as well. In the meantime, we thought this episode might be a good opportunity to just put everyone back on the same page. In this episode, we'll do some of our normal sidebar stuff, as we have some comments and questions to get to, but we'll also talk a bit about what Scott and I have been up to lately, and what our plan is moving forward. I want to let you know about our sponsor for this episode, and then we'll get into a few emails first, and then later where Scott and I stand. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mystery. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mystery. ZipRecruiter.com slash mystery. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, we have an email from Wanda, and she'd like to know, Sean, if you've seen the enhanced photos that are on a particular website that's pretty popular amongst armchair detectives. And she says that a couple people have uh, enhanced those photos so well that you can see some details that may not have been seen before. Have you had a chance to check these out, and what are your thoughts? Assuming that I'm thinking of the correct photos that are mentioned in the email, this goes back to the zoomed-in POI stills that a few people on the WebSoofs page thought showed a possible badge and that the POI may have been law enforcement or security. We've mentioned this previously on a sidebar, I think. And, and while that's not something that we can rule out, personally, I just don't think that there's enough to make that conclusion from the actual images. With the compression artifacts, the shadows, and all of the other issues with those images, and again, I've talked to experts who agree with me here. It just would be too much speculation to make any conclusions on that sort of thing. People have been looking at those images for so long, and they're just trying to see something that hasn't been seen before. 
a good example of this is that we've heard from several individuals that there's another person in the video. The video of the POI that was taken as they passed the gate by the pool at the Huntington on the Green. They see a bald man with glasses standing to the right of the gate, and they've zoomed in and cropped the photo, and they truly believe that they see this person. But it's clear to me that what they're seeing is in fact a palm tree. There's a palm tree in that exact location. You can even see the palm fronds sticking up above the fence. But if you only look in between the fence posts, then you can see kind of a rounded type image with some darkened areas that people are making into a face and eyes. But when you take the image as a whole, it's just part of the palm tree. But again, people are grasping for anything they can. And those images are, are one of the only things that they have. Okay, we have an email here from Billy. And it says, I just recently started listening to the podcast. I was a freshman at UCF when Jennifer went missing, and her disappearance is still something I think about often to this day. I'm not sure if this is something that has ever been mentioned or investigated on the podcast, as I'm still in the first few episodes, but it's something that struck me while I was listening this morning. A few days before Jennifer's disappearance, my friend's sister's throat was slashed not far from the UCF campus, and she attached an article for us. Miraculously, Casey survived, but the timing of everything seems so odd, and Casey is also a young, attractive, blonde woman. Needless to say, I didn't leave my dorm alone for months after all these things were happening. I did some Googling, and there are a few posts on the internet mentioning a possible connection, but I thought it was something worth exploring. To be honest, we really haven't looked into this connection that much. I I think that it's something that I remember reading briefly about, but I hadn't really looked into too much. So, First of all, thank you for the email. I think that's definitely something that, that we will look at because, because I think anything of that nature happening in Orlando around that time is worth looking at for any parallels or, or similarities. Uh, but, you know, the UCF area wasn't particularly close to where Jennifer lived, but I don't think that that would rule it out either. So I don't really have an answer here other than we appreciate you sending it our way and, and we'll look at it a little bit and see if there, there might be something to it. So thank you. Okay, Sean, we got this question multiple times from people, most recently from Kim in an email, and she'd like to know if we were ever able to get a sketch artist in touch with Ethan to sketch the person that he saw. The timing of this question is actually interesting because we did just have someone reach out to us who was interested in helping us put together a sketch based on Ethan's description. The problem has been that Ethan has gone dark on us to an extent. Basically, Scott has been unable to get in touch with him for quite a while now. So we still are, are looking to do that and we, and we want to do that, but obviously we have to be able to get Ethan on board so that he can talk with the person who's going to put together the sketch. So we do have someone that we think can help us do it, and now we just need to get back in touch with him and, and do it. So something that we are still hoping to put together, and if we are able to do that, we'll definitely make sure that we update all of you on our progress. Next up, we have an email, and it's something that I don't believe we've received a question about before. This individual would like to know if we have any idea if Orlando Police has used artificial intelligence to try to decipher the POI video pixel by pixel. I kind of have to go back to my default answer here as far as OPD is concerned, and we don't really know a whole lot about what OPD has done or is doing other than the things that they've made public. So I don't know the answer to that question. If I had to speculate, I would probably say no. Um, But at the same time, I really don't even know what using artificial intelligence on that person of interest video would be. So 
So I'm probably not the best person to be making assumptions here. So I don't, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Hopefully they've exhausted all means that they have available to them as far as looking at that video and looking at everything related to this case. But again, we're in the dark as far as OPD is concerned. Shante had a pretty interesting post on Facebook that got a lot of comments, and it has to do with Jennifer's place of work and whether or not we've been able to piece anything together. She makes a comment, the financial analyst for the wealthiest person in Orlando goes missing. Jennifer worked in the mortgage division years after her disappearance. Wasn't this place sued for mortgage fraud? I can't help but wonder, what did Jennifer find out through her job that someone was hoping she would never piece together? This has been a pretty common theory over the years, but to my knowledge, there isn't any evidence that would point in that direction. I think it's an easy leap to make, especially because it sounds like something straight out of a TV show or or a movie. A woman discovers a deep, dark secret about an influential corporate entity, and then they're silenced for good. And part of me wants to think that that stuff just doesn't happen in real life, but of course, we all know that's not true. At this point, there doesn't seem to be anything to that sort of stuff in Jennifer's case, but we also can't rule it out either. So I think it's definitely something that everyone thinks about from time to time, but but it's hard to do so without just making lots of of large leaps and assumptions and and almost having some conspiracy theories in play to, to make that all work. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we wanted to do some updates today as well. Where Scott and I stand and what our plan is as we move into the summer. To start, we've begun to narrow our focus a little bit on two possible suspects that we think need a closer look. Much of our recent efforts have been in this direction. Scott and I even spent a little bit more time in Orlando looking into a few things. And much of that is what we hope to bring you over the next several months as we can kind of start to put together something that's worth sharing. And with this course of action, we've also been consulting with some experts who will be helping us along the way and going about our quest to continue forward. One of the things that's been a challenge that we've been trying to overcome for a while now is making sure that we're choosing the correct steps in which to move forward. And that's something that Scott and I obviously aren't experienced in. And so we're planning to bring all of you along with us as we bring in these additional resources and go over the known and unknown in a more concise procedural way, sharing all of the important steps that we take along the way. And we're still kind of working out exactly how that's going to come together on the podcast. But I think that it's something that Scott and I are really excited about, and we think that all of you will be too. With the actual official investigations that are going on now within the Orlando Police Department and the private investigation side as well, we've had to be a little more guarded and reserved in the role that the podcast has taken. Having people take things into their own hands or jeopardize strategic angles being utilized by investigators, it's not something that we want to see happen. Yet we know that continuing to do what we are doing with public exposure to Jennifer's case and examining things from a different angle or a point of view is important. And that's why we think that this next step 
we're planning to take will make a big difference. For example, we received a great deal of pushback regarding our last episode where we considered Israel Keys as a possible factor in Jennifer's disappearance. People felt that we were much too quick to look in other directions and that we missed key evidence. By starting back at ground zero and building a brand new case file, any links that may have been missed to Keys or anyone else would become apparent. And that's ultimately what we're going to do. Rebuild a case file from a blank slate and take it through each step of where we've been with expert assistance along every step. Let me give you an example of kind of what we mean. As you know, we've talked to several potential witnesses so far in the podcast, and we now have an opportunity to go back to those interviews and discussions and get feedback from experienced, trained forensic interviewers, and maybe even conduct new interviews as well. And we've already started this and taking a second look, so to speak, on some of these past conversations and interviews that we've done and getting feedback from the statements that have been made. And there are things that someone not trained and experienced in this area, like Scott and myself, would fail to hone in on. And so that's kind of where we're heading and what we're looking forward to you being a part of. A somewhat new approach for us as we move into the summer here. So for now, we're going to leave you there. And this was just kind of a short update with our plans for the podcast and a couple of questions. And we'll look forward to bringing you that, whatever it's going to look like as we move forward. Remember, if you think you know something about the disappearance of Jennifer Cassie, it's time to come forward. Call the Orlando Police Department and ask to speak to the detective in charge of Jennifer's case. And if you can't get through to them or you can only leave a message and they won't respond or whatever might happen, then call us and we'll make sure that you get in touch with someone. All of the information needs to be in the hands of those who can make a difference. Music in this episode is by Lee Rosevere, and we'll see you next time.